0: Church, uh, why do we exist? Like, Brett, what were you thinking when you started this church in 2013? Mm Right? Yeah. (laughs) I love how you can ask that question two different ways. Like, what were you thinking? Or, like, what what was on your mind, you know? And uh, next week, we're going to look at the future vision of the church. Really excited about that. Just stuff that we're sensing as leaders that the Holy Spirit wants us to lean into come, like, say, January 2022. Uh, But this week is Redeemer's Church Present, who we are today, Sunday, the 19th of September, 2021. So this is going to be very practical at certain points. Um, We're going to talk about what we do here on Sundays, like why we do it, and what we do throughout the week as Redeemer's Church. Like how do we go about our commission to make disciples? Or you might say, what makes us different from the church across the street? So um, another thing, this is our first like real attempt at, at co-teaching. So no promises on how this will go, Brett and I. If it goes twice as long, it's because there's twice as many people up here. Just fair warning, okay? I feel like um, I feel like at best this will be like an episode of Wayne's World. Yeah. <laughs> at worst, Cheech that and works. Chong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready, Brett? I'm ready. All right, don't make me look bad. Here we go. <laughs> so some years ago as a worship pastor of a large uh, suburban church in Southern California, I found myself sitting in an office at Dire Straits with our lead pastor and some of the lead staff there. Our differences in ministry had had come to a head, and you could feel the tension in that meeting room. You could cut it with a knife. Uh, over my 9 months there, I'd been asked to make some radical shifts in my worship leading and pastoring to accommodate the evangelical vision of that church to grow from 2,000 to 10,000. That was their goal. And the lead pastor, assertive and bold, asked me point blank, looking me dead in the eyes, Michael, what is more important for us to be doing than reaching the lost and leading people to Jesus? Yeah, gulp. I was a little less than confident. I remember just trembling, kind of looking nervously around at the other faces in the room. But I responded with very little hesitation and with deep conviction, to my own surprise. And I said, caring for people's souls. What's equally important for us to be doing as pastors is caring for people's souls. And of course, we, in that moment, fell to our knees, weeping and asking the Holy Spirit to forgive us and lead us. No, I'm just joking. That didn't happen. Um, the meeting the meeting kind of petered out. I actually, a few minutes later, would end up resigning. And then the next three weeks were really intense, just not working, not having a job, but recovering my own soul, choosing then to move off the grid And join my friend's church in the middle of Oregon, a small community church of about 100, 150 people. Depends if you're counting the kids, right? Here in Redmond, Oregon. So the mega church, the evangelical model, while serving a purpose, lacks something vital to the kingdom of God. It misses the full version of the gospel that Jesus brought to earth and taught and taught his disciples to do. Now, I'm not the only person who's resigned from a mega church. Notably, I think of like Francis Chan and my good friend Chuck Bomar. They're doing ministry down in Southern California, Cornerstone Church, 5,000 people. And when you hear Francis tell the story, he's like, yeah, I I was at church. Thousands of people were staring at me as I was unpacking the scriptures in the New Testament, teaching them about how the church ought to be using the gift of the Holy Spirit to minister to one another. And it was in that moment that Francis was like, we don't do that. In fact, all these people come here and just watch me using my gift on stage. He continued, went to the next passage, and it talked about the church being the perfect example of loving one another. Like, that, that is what we are to the outside world. They should look at the church and go, wow, look at how they love one another. And then in that moment, Francis Chan realized, man, I have to, like, cry my people, just to get them to say hi to people in the rows around them. Like, loving, whoa, that's way beyond us. He resigned. He resigned. My buddy Chuck Bomar resigned, moved up to Oregon, and started a number of small community churches that planted other community churches. And again, the list goes on of just peers, people that I know that have done the same thing, given up on this mega church model. Um, now, the megachurch is a phenomenon in the past 50 or 60 years, if you don't know, give or take, 50 or 60 years. We live in a mobile society. The neighborhood church model of our grandparents has depleted. Example, like very few of us probably walked to church this morning. In fact, I'm guessing some of you actually drove by four or five perfectly health- healthy churches to get here, right? And that's the reality that we live in now. Transfer growth prevails over conversions, as people leave one church for another in search of whatever fits their lifestyle. And likewise, pastors are expected to function like CEOs of startup tech companies. You know, think like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. They have to invent and perform for us, giving us exciting, like, revolutionary vision that will, like, satisfy our consumerism. Eugene Peterson said it best the vocation of the pastor has been replaced by the strategies of religious entrepreneurs with business plans. Take a look at that. And to all of that, the many moral failings that we've seen with these celebrity status pastors in the last even just months, we have a falling out between people in the church and a distrust, a critical suspicion of the intent of their leaders. And so with all of that in mind, the present church-sized dilemma, megachurch, a community church, the crisis of leadership, evangelicalism versus caring for souls, changing landscapes and varying expectations. We asked the question this morning, what makes us Redeemer's Church? So, um, and I think the best place, instead of letting this whole thing, like, turn into a, uh, like, a personality test of our church, like a Myers-Briggs thing, you know, like, are you a megachurch or a community church, you know? Do you do the Bible or Holy Spirit, you know, like, we're we're actually going to start (laughs) off, we're actually going to start off with uh, biblical church. I'm going to hand off the mic here um, to Brett, so, because we want to be in the Bible this morning, so go ahead and open your Bible right now to Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a Bible app on your phone, Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to hand us over to Brett. And Brett, I think it would be great if you just prayed for us for the rest of the yeah. gathering.
1: Yeah. Father, thank you. It's just um, a privilege to sit here this morning with this family and to enjoy friendship, community, mutual encouragement, and love as the Holy Spirit is active amongst our body. I ask now that you would pierce our hearts with your word that we would know who we are, not just individually, but corporately, what it means to be the church. So God, allow for that to sink deep within our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've tracked with us for some time, we've done a lot of work on individual identity throughout the last seven years at Redeemer's Church, primarily taking Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and just dissecting that time and time again. And the reason we've done that is because the reality is for each and every one of you is uh, you live out your identity, Right? So, whatever uh, the world has told you who you are, that tends to be the route and the course you take in life. And there's a lot of truth behind that. And we've understood how God has come in and disrupted us as individuals and granted us, given us new identity in Christ. And we're reforming, reshaping what that identity is in light of who Jesus is. Now, as true as that is for an individual, it's also true for a church. And one of the questions that we have to wrestle with and ask ourselves as a church is who is the church? And then out of that, what does a church do? Right? Who is the church? And I would love for you to individually process this, think this, maybe jot down a few ideas. And then what does the church do? For many of you, you've called me up, emailed me, and asked this specifically. Who are you? And you want some kind of theological identification in order to see if we're in your camp or not. If we're Bible church or Holy Spirit church, or have we found a way to marry those two together yet? And then you want to know, because out of who we say we are is how we're going to act, behave, and respond, both in community aspect and to the world around us and how we handle things internally. And so we have to ask this question corporately, who is the church? So I want to start in Ephesians 2, and I want to look at verses 19 through 22. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus corporately. I don't know for whatever reason it is, but we always tend to individualize and personalize every one of these letters as just Paul talking to myself, which is fun. It's great to understand and read the scriptures in light of who I am, but we can't lose the context of who Paul is writing to. And he's saying to them, so then you, that is not you individually, but it's Texas you, it is y'all, right? Y'all, okay? You all are no longer strangers and aliens, but y'all are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. It's going to be a key word that comes up over and over again throughout some of the texts that we talk about. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, y'all are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Understand that what Paul is getting at for us is first and foremost who we are as a people. And when we understand who we are as a people, we begin to see how then we're to live out our lives as a people, as a you all and the community around us. Now, what does that look like? Well, first and foremost, when we see this passage, the universal church is all God's people, all God's people in all times, in all places. Whereas the local church is this gathering that's more uh, shrunk down, That is, in its own local context, and that assembles as God's people. And the local church comprises the big C church, the whole church at large, but it is made up of regenerate believers who are what? Doing the things that Jesus did. Okay? Well, what does that look like? And we don't have time today to get into all of it, and we're going to map some of that out next week as we go through this. But one of the places you can begin to look at is in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Upper room scene had happened. Pentecost is taking place, and the disciples have the Holy Spirit come upon them, and Peter preaches. And then all of a sudden, people go, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent, be baptized. And they do that, and then it says they did what? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. This is the stuff that the church immediately began to participate in as they were devoted to the scriptures. We are going to be a people whose lives lives are formed and framed by the scriptures beyond anything else that's going on in culture around us. That is who the church is. That's what we're coming underneath of. We're rooted then in fellowship and friendship, okay? In Christ, building one another up. This church, as a community church, loves to break bread, (laughs) Amen? Yes, we love to gather and to eat and to share meals with one another, both here on Sundays as well as outside of Sundays. And we want to be committed in prayer. Now, this is not all the early church did. It's a snapshot. It is not prescriptive when you read Acts, but it's descriptive of the formation of the church and how they responded to what the Holy Spirit was doing in their lives we see in acts chapter 13 that they're gathered to fast and pray and send others out to go and do the work of the ministry we see the church handling all sorts of different kinds of situations and problems and theological thoughts But this is somewhat of the framework in which the church did. They gathered regularly to respond in worship and in praise. In Colossians 3.16, it talks about being to the praise and the glory of God and to greet one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs as they gather with one another. Worship is a response to who God is and what God has done and what God will do. Adoration and proclamation of this great God, an outpost on Sunday mornings in which we declare Jesus is king, not Caesar. That's as we gather as a church, what we do participation in mission and action in service. Now, the church also is where the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion are taking place, are performed regularly, visibly, as symbols of the gospel and the life of the church. These are the things the church does. If we're living out this biblical identity of God making us a new people, a new kind of people, a new community, this is what we should look at a church and go, is this what they participate in? Is this what their actions look like? That's number one. Number two, flip over to First Peter chapter 2. We spent some time here in this letter a long time ago. I just wanna read, um, I'm gonna read this text to you. I think it's really important. And Michael already told you I might take more time than I'm supposed to. So (laughs) it's okay. He says, "'So put away all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander like newborn infants. Long for the spiritual milk that you may grow into salvation if you have tasted and seen the Lord is good.'" Essentially, as you gather, grow, grow in the Lord, grow through teaching, grow through participation in being the church. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by my men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scriptures. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, there it is, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race, identity. But, Y'all, this is who God has made us. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And what Peter is telling this congregation is that Jesus is this cornerstone in which all of the other stones are stacked upon and they are working together and they're framing the church. Now in that mindset, in that day, what you thought of when it came in terms of religiosity, worshiping the gods or even Yahweh himself, you always went to a facility, to a building, in which you would then bring your sacrifices and everything would take place at your temple or maybe in your synagogue or in the Old Testament, a ziggurat in which they would worship the deities. This was built into their framework of how they worshiped the gods. And then what Peter does here is he absolutely shatters that and he says, no longer is it about a temple, a physical place, but you all built together Are the place in which the Holy Spirit dwells. (sighs) I mean, you might as well have just committed religious suicide if you presented that idea in that culture because everybody knew the temples are the places that house the gods. But now all of a sudden, it's the people that come together. And this is what Peter and this is what Paul are proclaiming is the importance and the necessity of a gathered church, because it 's the place in which the Spirit is working and moving and dwelling. it 's a place where the divine, in that sense, is touched and experienced, and as we lay brick upon brick, that is essentially people coming together, here 's the thing it 's what Francis Chan, it 's what Chuck Bomar realized ministering one to another. That, that, that is the identity that we want to live out at Redeemers. And yes, that can happen in an expansion as long as it's what you begin with, right? I had this great friend, Tom Bond, he always said, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And for us as a church, our mentality has to be what is laid out in the scripture and what it means to be the people of God. Finally, and let me just give my last reason and purpose for this. Hebrews chapter 10. If you'd turn there with me real quick. We're just going to look at a couple of verses. We're going to unpack them in a real nerdy way. And then um, I'm going to pass it back over to Michael. You guys loved this verse, especially during uh, this last year. Uh, I think some of it, though, needs to be uh, unraveled in, in right context, where it says in verse 23: Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he, promised, he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, the day is drawing near. This word meet or meeting in the Greek is where we get our word synagogue or congregation from out of the scriptures. So they're setting this precedence of the people coming together, not neglecting to meet with one another. Why? Because of what we just read in 1 Peter. Because of what Paul has said. This, the people, the place in which the Holy Spirit dwells, this is the congregation that is gathered together. Now there is a difference between an aggregation and a congregation. An aggregation is just a collection of individuals who come to maybe listen to a speaker a TED Talk, maybe show up at a play or at a concert and they have uh, this just one meeting kind of place and they're not really intertwined and all connected to one another. One of the ways you can think about an aggregation is like a bag of marbles. They're touching and they're bumping up against one another, but they're absolutely easily separated, passed around, pushed back out. A congregation is more like a cluster of grapes that's connected to a vine. And man, we could go a long ways at that one, couldn't we? All right? This cluster of grapes that are vined and connected with one another. That's what a congregation is. It's why, for example, in congregations, when maybe somebody's passed away or moved away or didn't get their way, and they've moved on. We feel it. Something's been taken. Something's gone amiss. And we sense that. Because in here we're told there's this mutuality that's to take place when the church gathers. What is that mutuality? It's encouraging and it's spurring each other on for good works. Sure. Michael, Carson, myself, whoever might teach up here, we're to be spurring you on from up front and teaching and encouraging us to do these good things that God has created for us to walk in. But it cannot simply be from somebody up front. It's something that the whole congregation participates in with one another. And so as we consider that aspect, you need to have that framework of who are we as a church? This is our church identity. It's one in which we look around this room and say, we're one another, we're together, and we're gonna spur each other on. That's our desire.
0: So good. Oh, as I cut through pages, <laughs> cut out pages of my notes now. <laughs> Thanks, Brett, just a little bit long. Okay, I'm gonna summarize just a bunch of things here. <laughs> <laughs> so as a church, you know, accepted mega church And I remember working at one In Portland, the church grew from 250 to 1000s all over Portland, the largest church in Portland um, And we as wrestlers uh, Sorry, we as wrestlers, we as pastors Had to wrestle with Like, how do we Make disciples Like, how do we make disciples Because we were having way too much fun on Sundays With like the rock bands and the lights and the donuts And all that, smoke. so we didn't, yeah, we didn't The smoke <laughs> and mirrors, yeah, we didn't want to cut Sundays out and so our conclusion with, with a number of churches across the nation, around the world even, was, oh, you need to do small groups. You need to do all your discipleship in small groups and, and allow that, you know, the home groups or D groups or they have boundless names, missional communities, you know. Um, that's where the real discipleship happens. And so we as leaders were basically punting discipleship to our midweek gatherings. And um, what we are saying as a community church is we don't want to do that. We want to maintain the ability to do discipleship right here on Sunday mornings, to know the people around you and to use your gifts one to another. Now, we'll get into that more next week. Um, and if you're wondering, like, why is this guy so anti mega church or anti-growth in church numbers? Listen, we're not Um, But the question we want to be asking is, how do I personally grow to be more like Jesus in this community right now? Does that make sense? Yeah. How do I grow to be more like Jesus in this community right now? So um, we're going to move right into a couple practical things. So this is us in practice. And again, if you're newer here, this will give you a snapshot of what we do currently at Redeemer's Church. So we're going to take what Brett just talked about and just fill that out into some current examples. Um, One, our leadership structure. Our leadership structure uh, is built around five staff members. Um, Only three of them are paid. Not very much, (laughs) but they're paid. I'm not one of those. (laughs) And um, and this basically means that we are a volunteer-led church, which is so cool. As in, Sundays wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you guys. Thank you. Yes, thank you. That is the foundation of our church. It's you guys putting in the effort to serve one another. And we as leaders simply equip and serve you to serve others. It's just this incredible pyramid of service as Jesus taught. And if you're curious more about that, Carson did a fantastic teaching a few weeks ago on leadership. You can go listen to that. So all that to say, we are a church built on volunteers. Uh, We do have three elders currently uh, with like an endless amount of internal and outside specialists who we can call on for help. (laughs) Uh, We have a lot of really wise men and women in this church that we can call up at any time when we have a difficult decision. Um, Let's say we do want our eldership to grow to five in number. Anybody? (laughs) Um, Now, elders don't build the church. That's Jesus' job. Uh, They simply seek God's kingdom and obey the Holy Spirit's promptings. Now, communication pillars. Um, I have a slide of this, I believe. Uh, Yeah, there they are. So this should look familiar. If you've been to our website, these are the four things that you see on the website, across the top, we're just going to go through it really quick. Um, connect is self-explanatory. You can, you can connect with people here at the church or leaders or emails and all that. Um, you can also, there's like an about page. You can, can read more about the history stuff that we went over last week. Um, serve. This is really fun. So uh, the, oh, sorry, give. Give. Thank That's you. fun too. Yeah. Um, give. So the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, And strength. It's kind of a wonky translation, especially around the word strength. The word in Hebrew is like your muchness. So think of like your resources, your time, your money, and energy. This is the stuff that we serve the Lord with all of our strength. We we give our time, we give our money, we give our energy to things at the church. So when you click on serve, you're going to find things that would fit under that, like giving, tithing. or sorry, when you click on give, you're going to find things like giving, tithing, um, serving, and volunteering. Um, you're also going to find stuff like missions. So not just local mission, but global missions. Next thing, gather. Um, this is all of our gatherings. So under gather, you would see groups and, and like our, your Monday through Saturday groups and kids and youth and Monday prayer. Monday prayer is like the only other thing we do outside of Sundays, uh, like as a staff. On your lunch break, you can come here 1145 to 1230. We will be here praying. A lot of it's contemplative prayer. So a lot of it is just silence and journaling and reading prayers. Um, But if that sounds interesting to you or you want to come and meet with us or be prayed for, come join us Mondays around lunchtime. Uh, We also schedule a lot of meetings kind of right after that for lunch. So if you want to meet up, it's just a great time to connect with us as pastors. So um, that's Gather. And then teachings. And and I want to point out one thing from teachings. Of course, it has like past teachings on Sundays and recommended podcasts. um, But under our teaching tab, there's also recommended books. This is hugely important for our discipleship. If you want to take Jesus serious in your discipleship, these are books that Brett and I have handpicked and just said, like, read this, okay? Like, spoiler alert, you're going to see where we steal all of our teaching notes from <laughs> when you start reading these books, all right? These, this is the cream of the crop. Uh, Brett is one of the most well like filled readers I know. This guy's read every book under the sun. This is not that list, all right? This is just like our best of. So it's only like five to 10 books, and you can go check that out on your own time. If you're not a reader, go check it out. Get the audio, the audible thing, right? And listen to it on your car, or in your car on your way to work. Um, You want to hear this stuff. So let's talk about groups for one second. The best way I can describe groups is that... um, Well, so this is our thing, like Sundays, right? This is our, like the church, we all do this together on Sunday. Groups is your thing. Does that make sense? Groups is your thing. It's what you guys do Monday through Saturday. And groups can look like one of three things. Uh, We've broken it up into location, like where you meet, your neighborhood, or around a school or a park. Um, Passion, this is something like you're excited about, maybe you like cycling, or you like golfing, or you like shooting guns, you can group people together around that passion. And then lastly, vocation. This is something we want to talk about in the future more often. Vocation is your calling. Sometimes it's your occupation as well. Sometimes your vocation is is how you make money. Um, But this might be like a group of teachers or it might be a group of physicians And or a group of contractors and you want to get together and maybe plan things that you can do in your community that involve your vocation, right? So if it's a group of contractors, you might just get together and be like, Man, we could like knock out a remodel for maybe a low income family. Like that would be amazing. Or you can help us remodel the church. That would be amazing. (laughs) Just throwing out ideas, you know? (laughs) Community church, what does it mean? This is my own definition of what community church means. One, we have a relationship with one another. So we know each other's names. We know each other's kids' names, and or at least we're trying to learn them. Second thing, we make, we make space for the gift of the Holy Spirit to move through us together. And right now, we currently do that on Fifth Sunday's breakfast. Whenever there's a Fifth Sunday in the month, uh, we don't do this in here, or we try to go outside, or if it's this inside, it's just food. It's just food and table. This is what Jesus did most often in the Gospels. So we lean into that time, because it allows you guys to minister to one another. So good. Third thing, we, we are vulnerable with one another. We choose to embrace the mess of each other's lives, and, and we do this currently in our groups, Monday through Saturday. We do this occasionally in our gatherings. It's true. We'll break up sometimes during our response to pray for one another. And this is the kind of stuff we're going to talk more about next week, so I'm going to cut myself off right there. Um, We are unique to our location, like geographically here in Redmond, meaning we're not like Hillsong. We're not a franchisable church like Starbucks. We're not trying to brand our church even. In fact, The best example I can give you is we made these journals that we gave away for free. And, um, like, Brett and I were talking, like, should we put Redeemer's Church on the journals? And we couldn't figure out a reason why to do that. Like, there's nothing about a journal that needs to have Redeemer's Church written on it. So we're like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to print Redeemer's Church on coffee cups. Actually, I got to be careful what I'm saying here, because we might someday. I don't want (laughs) to, you know. We'll see. But the point is, we're not trying to brand Redeemers Church. If we plan another church from here, it could be called Redeemers. It'll probably be called something else, given whatever that person is that's going to planet or people. So we are not a franchise church. Simplicity. Um, we don't have a lot of programs. This is intentional. We want to be simple. Um, like we don't have a, a midweek softball team. Not saying we'll never have. That'd them. be sweet. Yeah, that would be rad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We don't have like every technological advancement or this incredible social media feed. Um, Brett's not making like an incredible YouTube channel where he does videos every day or, you know, or releases them every week. Um, we simply don't have the retor- resources for some of this, but also we don't want to make the time to do that, right? And, and this is a big heartbeat of, of what we're trying to lead you guys in as leadership is we want you to do church well, but we do not want to create a church bubble, right? We don't want to create a church bubble. We want to be in good community, but we also don't want you to think that you have to wait for us to put together like a a weekend camping trip at the coast, a men's retreat, a women's retreat, a singles retreat. Like, no, you guys can do this on your own, right? You're fully capable of doing it on your own. Invite other church families with you. Like, it's so simple. You don't need to lean on us to facilitate these things, And that said, again, yeah, we we don't want to create a church bubble. We want you guys to be in and about and out in our community, going to, like, monster truck rallies. Got it? Cool. Um, Because of all this, our goal is to keep one gathering and togetherness. Uh, We are a community church. Now, before I move on, I want to say a few things. This is going to be really helpful for some of you. Um, This is a community church uh, does not mean, okay, a community church does not mean We are sloppy or disorganized. You catch that? Okay, no. We will not ignore decay or live in the past or have small ambitions just because we're small in numbers um, in today's success church standards. Um, That means that, yes, we're going to change the carpet like we changed the carpet. We're going to change the light bulbs. Uh, We're going to remodel downstairs. Like, those sort of things are going to change. We're going to change the songs we sing. Uh, Brett might even change his goatee someday. It's been seven years. (laughs) Yeah, no promises. Our goal there, and I love this language, is undistracting excellence. Undistracting excellence. We want to do things well. We believe that as image bearers of God, we are to do things well. Um, The next thing, Uh, we are a community church, but it does not mean that we are weird and churchy. That's the best way I could explain that. Yeah, churchy. I don't even think it's a word. Um, What do I mean by this? It means employing tact. Like, we mainly try to do this through our language and speech from stage. We don't use a bunch of churchy words. Like, you'll never hear Brett or I pray something like, Lord, just uh, give us a hedge of protection, you know, and traveling mercies. Like, those are kind of churchy phrases that, listen, unless you're from England, I don't even think you know what a hedge is, okay? (laughs) Okay? Um, So we try to use common language. We don't want to create unnecessary hang-ups for people as they visit. And and this is really something where we are somewhat evangelical. We don't want to create any walls or barriers for people coming in that are new to the church. Like, they have to learn some whole other churchy language, biblical language, just to be able to, to enjoy this time together there's a balance there. I get it. Like at the same time, we don't want to minimize the spiritual stuff we do in church. Like we're never going to go full seeker friendly where we don't do church stuff here. We're still going to follow our liturgy. We're still going to pray. We're still going to worship. We're going to go deep in the things of the spirit. Okay. Um, oh, I did it. I got through it in like eight minutes. Dude, <laughs> come on. How about that? I'll, I'll All right. <laughs>
1: I'm done. I'm going to pass it over to Brett, and we're going to end here. So uh, when we planted this church almost eight years ago, uh, I was younger. I think that's the right phrase. I was 29 and uh, actually felt like maybe I still had some holes in my jeans because I bought them that way back then and could reach youth culture. And over the eight years, uh, that is one area that my heart has broken for in Redmond. Um, I've walked and ran... It may not show it, but that trail, uh, miles and miles and miles. And I've ignored many of you as I ran by you, right? Just there's no stopping. And one of the things that's always broken my heart about Redmond is just in in that area specifically, there's just this kind of latchkey, wandering youth culture down there. And our church has lacked in seeking the youth in in this town. And so that's something that we acknowledge and that we recognize and that we are working towards creating a different... Even with hiring Zach and bringing youth in, we really want to see youth reached for Jesus. We've opened up our building for young life, and we have a youth group that's going to be meeting here. Um, And that's something that we're praying for. And the same thing with singles and young 20s. It just doesn't seem to be a town or a community in which those people stick around in. Uh, But we want to see our church reach into those places and encourage and love and serve well. As a community church, we also want to find ways to get involved in local service, and this is something a lot of you have asked us about, and it's on our radar, Um, and often when you come to me and ask me about that, I say, what's your idea? Okay, let us get behind you, and let's run with it, and then there's kind of like this backpedaling, like, I kind of thought you'd do it. there's a a plate and it's pretty full and I have so much time for certain things, but how can we get behind you and serve? And so there are ways in which we wanna reach into this community with love and justice and mercy and grace, and we wanna pour our heart out into other ministries that are happening here in order to just simply be a blessing in this community because we're blessed to be a blessing. And lastly, one of the things that we want to do better in our church is time to be priests one to another. As Michael was sharing, that may simply mean uh, just waiting on the Holy Spirit. This article popped up from the Gospel Coalition this morning, and it said, of self-identified Christians, 58% contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, present, or purity. Surprisingly, those who identify as born-again Christians are even more likely to hold a view that 62% and a half of theologian born-again Christians deny the Spirit is a being. Even among those with the most biblical worldview, the integrated disciples, he's got these terms, 40% hold an unbiblical view of the Holy Spirit. And it breaks my heart, because have we become a place, a church, that has basically said, we just want to put on a great show so you feel good and comfortable here. We want to sing the right songs and hear a good talk and have some food and have some drink and and then we give ourselves just this short moment that maybe the Spirit would speak and we really want to create a mentality and an identity that says, Spirit, we are here to receive from you. And it may be that later this afternoon, I act on calling that person the spirit brought to mind, or the next day we meet up for coffee, but we want to create space for us to actually hear. When Michael says respond, it's not just the fact that we get to sing songs unto God and emotionally connect in that way, though that happens after the gathering, but to take a deep breath and a moment to say, spirit, how would you want to speak because you're not just an influence, you're not just a force. And yes, we give so much time and attention to scripture on your average Sunday, but then how is the spirit going to move in my life so I can participate in being a follower of Jesus in this body? That's, that's areas I want to see us grow. And I want to tell you, Redeemers, those of you that have tracked with us for six, seven, eight years, love you guys. This church has been so merciful and kind and gracious, and we want to continue to disciple others along in that mentality and that mindset and that idea of what it looks like, but we really want to press and push into what does the Spirit want to say to us? So we have to ask this hard question, and hopefully we'll get to answer it next week. But as we gather as a church, are we making any real difference? Dallas Willard wrote, Every church needs to be able to answer two questions. What is our plan for making disciples? And second, does our plan work? Does our plan work? Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time to just kind of download information integrated with your scripture. Thank you for the growth that you have brought to this church that as we gathered, as 10 or 15 of us and now, at times, we gather with 150, 180 with kids. We welcome it and we're thankful for it. And truly, we anticipate to see more of it. And may we not lose focus on what it means to gather as your people, to serve one another, to love one another, to care for one another. May we actively participate in the church and not just be spectators. Convict our hearts. Break us for the things that have broken your heart. Restore unto us our first love as you declared to the church in Revelation that had walked away from it. That church at Ephesus. May we be ones who see you clearly and respond to you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to respond now by participating.